Welcome to the Advent Sermons and Conversations podcast. This is the sermon half. The sermon today was given by Deacon Ross Murray on April 8th, 2018, the second Sunday of Easter. You can find the readings for this week in the podcast description. But we'll try for real now. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, and from our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. One thing that's always struck me about Easter is how celebratory our worship is. All the the singing, the alleluias. And not just on Easter morning, but it stretches throughout this whole Easter season. But then, the scripture passages that we hear during this season are often filled with confusion and fear and isolation. We're now one week after the celebration of the resurrection, Easter morning, and we heard a story about the disciples in hiding. The scripture says the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Now remember, the disciples are themselves Jews too, so it's not Jewish people they are scared of, it's religious leaders who helped to orchestrate Jesus' execution. The religious leaders that worked with an occupying Roman army to portray Jesus as an insurrectionist, even as a terrorist or a dangerous man, someone that no one should be associated with. From the Roman perspective, Jesus' death was to serve as a warning to others who might try to establish or try to challenge the established order of power. And this is putting the disciples in a very dangerous place because they fear being found out as associates of Jesus, or even accomplices of Jesus. Remember, Peter has already been confronted about his association with Jesus, and he got out of it by lying three times and denying that he knew him. Which means right now, Peter is probably both racked with guilt about denying his friend and teacher and mentor, but also fearful about being caught in this lie and having himself being brought in front of the authorities. And the new news that the disciples were hearing isn't any more comforting. The women's report that Jesus' body is missing isn't met with joy and praise. That actually creates more terror. First of all, this wasn't a culture that accepted the testimony of women, and people didn't even know whether to believe what they were saying. It also seems incredibly far-fetched And the other question was, does that mean Jesus has risen? Or does that mean that someone's just stolen the body and moved it somewhere else? And furthermore, where was Thomas that first week? He wasn't there with the rest of the disciples. Was he safe? Had he been arrested? Or was he going to betray the rest of the community the way that Judas had before? From just these first few sentences of the gospel, you can feel the palpable sense of confusion and isolation, of fear and distrust. This was a time when no one was to be trusted. This was a time to lock yourself up and hide from public view until the next incident that would, that would have the news cycle carry your attention in a different direction, away from them. And it's easy for us now to look at this story and scoff at the disciples. And if we're really arrogant, we believe that we wouldn't be all that worried or fearful as they were. But I think the situation the disciples are in, I can see a lot of us and our culture and our world in this story. 
How often do we lock the doors and hide behind locked doors, trying to hide from the problems in the rest of the world? How often have we seen those in authority target those who seem like dissidents and create a fear-based example of why to not challenge the established ruling order? Locally here, I'm thinking of immigration activist Raghi Ragbir, who came to mind as someone who did speak, a, speak out against cruel and inhumane treatment of immigrants, who then was himself targeted for deportation. And the implicit message is really clear. Challenge the authorities, and the authorities will make an example of you. And how often have we started to distrust those people close to us? When have we refused to believe them? When they talk about their lives and their experiences, what has happened to them, why we haven't believed them, or that we can't believe that what they're saying is true because we want to believe the world is going to be better. Or when have we questioned or doubted their motivations and wondered whether they are helping us or actually hurting us, sabotaging us? Isolation, fear, distrust, they do bad things to us. And when left unchecked, they can turn into idols themselves, turning us inward on ourselves. They build walls. They lock doors where we believe that we can shut out the problems of the outside world. Except Jesus isn't kept out by locked doors. In our gospel, Jesus just appears and stands among them. And Jesus has two messages for the fearful disciples back then and for us Jesus' fearful disciples now. First, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Jesus cuts through all the fear and distrust and isolation and grants the disciples peace. Second, Jesus gives his disciples the Holy Spirit and he sends them out of that locked room into the world. Jesus' exact words were, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And these two things are related. We need the peace of Christ to overcome our fear and our isolation, to stabilize us and ground us and give us the strength to go out into a world to proclaim good news to those who hear it. And that is what the disciples did. Equipped with the Holy Spirit, they left that room of safety and bid began proclaiming the good news of Christ and built a community that turned into a movement, that turned into a church that changed the entire world. The disciples not only proclaimed Christ's resurrection, but they lived in community, sharing their possessions and caring for those in need. The disciples, who by the time we get to that story that we heard in Acts, are now being called apostles, shared their testimony. And that just means that they told the stories about what they have seen and heard and experienced and what they learned from Jesus, from his life, from his stories, from his trial and execution, and their experiences with him after the resurrection. And there are probably times where they told stories when their fear and doubt prevented them from really understanding what Jesus was saying or doing. In fact, I imagine Thomas being one of the best storytellers of this whole thing. Thomas has a story about how he missed the first time that Jesus appeared and couldn't believe that it had happened. And Jesus came back a second time just to prove to Thomas that it was real and that it had happened. 
and that he got to touch the wounds and the hand and the side. And these stories inspire, inspire other people to join them, to give up their possessions and live in and be sustained by a growing Christian community. That's right. The disciples formed a commune. Everyone gave up personal possessions and ensured that no one needed anything. Can you imagine a commune? Shared possessions? This is not a passage that gets a lot of attention in our fear-based and wealth-oriented world. Giving all that you have so that others may live. But it's there. It's in the Bible. It's in Acts. And that is how the early Christian church became established. And really, that's how the early Christian church grew. The disciples, the disciples only moved from a locked room out into the world because they had the conviction that came with the peace of Christ. And they spoke out in a world that frankly was just as hostile to them before as it was now. The disciples continued to face harassment, persecution, even execution. Some of them in ways very similar to Jesus' own execution. Easter had not eliminated violence and discrimination and war and famine from the disciples' world, and it doesn't eliminate it from our world either. And I want to stress this, because this is one of the biggest takeaways from Easter. We continue to live in a broken and sinful world. It is still dangerous to be a Christian in this world, because it is still dangerous to be a human being in this world. Jesus doesn't send us into the world because it's safe. Jesus sends us into the world with his peace and the Holy Spirit to face a world that doesn't want to hear that message of peace. Jesus doesn't give us comfort. Jesus doesn't give us security. Jesus gives us peace. And that is entirely different. Because it is the peace of Christ that allows us to face danger, knowing that fear and death do not have the final word in this world or in our lives. It is a peace that reminds us that we are a part of Christ's resurrection. The peace keeps us witnessing to the love of Christ and for the well-being of the neighbor, even when the neighbor looks or acts or sounds or lives and is nothing like us. In the last few years, we've seen more than a few rallies and marches and movements, and I see a lot of parallels between the leaders of those movements and marches and some of the early disciples. The people of organized March for Our Lives, or the Women's March, or even the Pride March, um, especially when it began so many years ago, raised their voices in a hostile and dangerous world, testifying to what they have seen and heard and known. And right now, I'm thinking especially of the students from Parkland, Florida, who faced violence firsthand and lost loved ones. Like the disciples, they could have stayed at home to heal and try to return to something that looked like a normal life. Instead, they've been bold, telling the story of what happened to them and calling for a world where gun violence doesn't happen. And there are plenty of people who want them to stay quiet. Some of them are trolling them, and some of them really have genuine concern for their safety and well-being and don't want them to face harassment. But these students have actually faced that harassment head on, knowing that their goals and their message are loftier than any of the accusations that have been thrown against them. And there are those who are giving 
what they have so that others may not be in need. They donate money and time and energy to make sure people can live with dignity. And sometimes it's a small gesture, like once a month holding a community lunch here at church. And there are people that do sell everything they own. And they join an intentional community focused on preaching and teaching and caring for the poor. Now, some of those leaders and givers aren't a part of the Christian church. But I still see a lot of the disciples in them. They are testifying to what they have seen and heard and known. And they are proclaiming peace in a violent world that doesn't want to hear it. They already know and they accept that violence and danger still exist in this world. And they also know that it's not going to get any better by them staying behind locked, closed doors and hiding from the world. Somehow, let's say with the peace of Christ and with the Holy Spirit, they moved past their fear and stepped out into the world, marching, testifying, proclaiming, and calling all of us to make the world better. This Easter, remember, Jesus gives peace, not safety or comfort. And Jesus equips us with the Holy Spirit and sends us from our places of security to go out into the world and proclaim the good news of Christ and to call for justice for those who need it. It is dangerous. I won't deny that because I can't. Violence and death are still a part of our world. But death does not hold us back from living fully and calling for others to live full and abundant lives, knowing that our lives are in Christ and in Christ's resurrection. And the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding will keep all of our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at adventnyc.org. Our services are 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in English and 1230 in Spanish at 93rd and Broadway.